Welcome to Narda Gusen Teaching Broadcast. I am Narda Gusen, your host, and I thank you for joining me right here on His Royal Diadems Radio, where we share and glean from the Word of God each week. My prayer is that your time spent with me will be both encouraging and educational so that you can be equipped and empowered in the things of the Lord. Now join me as we tune in to a broadcast already in session. Shalom, friends. I greet you in the most beautiful name of Yeshua, our soon-coming King. Amen. Today, I do have a word from the Lord, and I believe that this word is going to speak to our hearts. And this word will transform your life if you apply the principles of God's word through faith and obedience. Abba, we want to thank you for your presence, always abiding with us. And today we ask that you speak a relevant word, a life-changing word. Speak to our circumstances and give us direction and insight on how we ought to live and conduct ourselves to the glory and honor of your name. In Yeshua's name, amen and amen. Well, once again, I welcome you to this week's continued teaching on the Armor of God series. We thank you for joining us each week, and I trust that you are growing and learning with us. Amen. Our foundational text will be taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. And it reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have him done all to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness arrayed, with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying in the Spirit at all times, with every kind of prayer and petition. To this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. May the Lord add the blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. Today we are going to share and learn about the sword of the spirit. Let me preface uh, by first stating that the more we are exposed to the holy scriptures, the more the spirit can actively use this mighty sword in our lives. If we never read or study our Bible, we expose ourselves to defeat, to fear, and ultimately just misery, okay? If we never read or study the word of the Lord, we have no defense. If we never read or study to grow, we have nothing to put up against uh, the forces that, you know, they're, they're relentlessly working day and night. So I encourage you to read your Bible and study regularly. We have been going through it's six weeks strong in this series, and by now we have come to understand some dynamics about our supernatural power, and that is that it serves as a defense under attack, and it makes it possible for us, the believers, that's you and me, to stand in evil days. Paul describes our experience 
because it isn't every day that goes bad, okay? There are days when things are good and we are walking in peace and we're finding rest on the mountaintops. So Paul here, he's speaking to the believer about facing days when everything does go wrong, you know, when, when tragedy strikes, when difficulties occur. Uh, and when trouble comes knocking on the doors of our home or when discouragement and fear set in that it leaves us with thoughts of, God, where are you? And I know I'm not the only one that has ever had these thoughts, wondering what is happening in our personal lives and our world as we know it. And as he begins to list the particulars, you know, or, or the pieces of this armor, it is vital that the student understands that attacks are not unique and neither are they foreign to the Christian life. It is a conflict that is experienced by men everywhere. But for the believer who understands his role as it pertains to being a soldier, because, we you know, we are in the Lord's army, it is he He or she who must govern himself or herself and appropriate now the instructions concerning spiritual warfare. And Paul lets us know that though the pressures and struggles of life can vary in its intensity, it's essentially the armor, which is Yeshua himself, that enables us to resist the attacks of the devil and it empowers us to fight back. But it is also a warning that those who fail to arm themselves will suffer casualties. And so like the body having, you know, different members, so our armor and every piece of it is essential and is valuable to our mission, our purpose, our calling, you know, our orders as soldiers of God's kingdom. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we have now come to the sixth piece of armor in our lesson, and it is the sword of the spirit. And again, if you have been following this teaching series, I pray that you are being equipped and encouraged in warfare stratagems, amen, and you're, you are applying three words and phrases. And if you're a note taker, then, you know, go ahead and take your notes. Uh, Sword, spirit, and the phrase, which is the word of God. That sword, spirit, and the phrase, which is the word of God. What is a sword? Now, I know that many of us, even without thinking, can answer. But I believe that even a five-year-old today can describe to us what a sword is. But what is a sword? Excuse me as it pertains to the kingdom. And I think that the best way to answer this is to first see how the sword benefited the Roman soldier. In previous lessons, we looked at the specific form uh, in which attacks occur and how each weapon is assigned to, you know, the different types of attacks. And we know that attacks can occur when we least expect them. They can, you know, appear from every side and in every waking moment of our lives. And their attempt is to always derail us off course. It's it's always intended to take us away from the believer's faith in the word of God. And they are aimed to to steal our joy, our hope. You know, it's, it's, it's meant to interrupt and upset our lives. And if even possible, break us to the point where we concede defeat and we quit. So let's do a quick recap because 
One, implementing this divine armor begins with the truth of God's word being the central and focal point within the inner man. Okay, that's your belt of truth. And this must be, you know, swaddled around us because truth contains power to break through the enemy's, enemy's line of defense. And two, righteousness. Because righteousness enables the believer to stand guiltless before our God and when we face our enemies. And three, our shoes of peace is what anchors the believers so that whatever the enemy throws at him, he is not thrown off balance, but can firmly and securely stand in his position with, without slipping, you know, without tripping and falling. Four, shielding or covering ourselves. So when the flaming arrows come, glory to God, we take cover behind, you know, this supernatural wall. Amen. Uh, five, putting on the helmet of salvation, and this enables the believer or the soldier man to withstand the arrows aimed for the head, uh, which I'll teach on this in next week's lesson, because there are arrows that are specifically geared and forged toward the head only. And so when we are going into battle, you know, we have to have a conscious awareness of the ammunition we carry in, how to execute our firearms, amen? Because each piece of armor helps us detect and discern who we are fighting and what tactic is being used by the enemy. So the sword, as it pertained to the Roman soldier that was used during uh, practice, they were twice the weight of the real swords used in combat. And they were made of, you know, hefty, bulky timber. And the soldier's mission in this exercise was to become skilled, you know, in taking advantage of his enemy. So mastering the, the art and, and hitting his oppon opponent at his weakest and most vulnerable areas, this would offset and, and neutralize his progress. And this helped reduce, you know, further advancements from the enemy. It kept them from uh, gaining ground, more territory. And so in much the same way, the spiritual sword of the spirit must be wielded, wielded uh, skillfully. You know, the logos or the written word of God is what contains the guidelines, okay, the instructions for our everyday life. But then there's the rhema, there's that there is a specific or a quickened word from the scriptures and one that God uh, is applied, you know, to a specific uh, situation, okay? And when we are employing the sword of the spirit, it is always a divine word, a sanctified word. It's a rhema that gets placed in our heart and hand to use, to use against not people, hear me good, but the operating forces and powers behind the person or persons. Okay, it is uh, used against the principalities of, and powers that are operating and, and, and moving behind the scenes. The rhema is what will execute the lethal blow against the enemy. And if it is truly anointed, I want you to hear me, friend, it will cause the enemy to back up and recoil. But the questions beg, why do some of us not experience victories? You know, we are declaring the word, we are binding and rebuking, yet nothing happens. Okay. 
let's inspect the other pieces of our armor, okay? So, and to see if we have a breach in our lives. And when we do this, you know, self-check, I want you to be honest with yourself. Be honest and transparent with God because, look, look, we all miss the mark. We all have areas in our lives that, you know, we need to work on. Now, for example, let, 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 me, let me ask this. Is there an open door due to sin? And only you will know that. Because the only way the enemy can break through our lines of defense is if there's, if there's a violation, right? Only then can the enemy come in and block the progress. Are we standing in truth? God's truth, not our supposed or presupposed opinions, okay? I'm talking about God's truth. Standing on his truth about that situation. Standing on his truth about that problem. Yes, and even that relationship. Remember Achan? The entire army of people were halted because of his violation. The Bible records that there was sin in the camp. And because there was sin in the camp, the Israelites could not progress. You see, Achan lusted after the Babylonian garments and, you know, he stole some of the spoils and then hid them. When God has specifically said that they were to be destroyed, right, burned. And as a result, the whole army was delayed. Now, how about Miriam? Remember when the entire nation of Israel was held up for seven days? Now, imagine being the one who held up the whole company. I mean, an entire nation was put on hold until the violation had been dealt with. She was put outside the camp with her leprosy, which was a physical judgment with spiritual implications, and it was so that she wouldn't contaminate others. And there she remained until she had completed the seven days of cleansing, which I'm sure during this time, you know, she reflected and repented, and, and then she was able to be reunited with the people of God. Amen? So somebody say, God is a God of mercy, and thank God for mercy. Amen? All the pieces of our armor, people of God, they cover various parts of our lives. And so because they do, they are all relevant for a believer's true success. We cannot be liars and thieves and then claim prosperity. We cannot be gossipers and backbiters and then believe that we can go out onto the battlefield and just, you know, conquer. We cannot be hypocrites smiling and nodding our heads in approval, but behind closed doors, we are berating and detesting. No, people of God, this is not the true service or attitude of disposition that a true armed soldier takes, because these things here will disqualify us. And many of us, we've been in this battle, you know, battlefield for a long time, and we should know better by now, right? Luke 12 and verse 47 says, that servant who knows his master's will but does not get ready or follow his instructions will be beaten with many blows. But the one who unknowingly, you know, does things worthy of punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required and from him who has been entrusted with much, even more will be demanded. 
So yes, there are more expectations. We expect more from you. We expect better from you. But on the contrary, when we stand in violation, we will be open targets for the enemy who will surely, now listen to this, he will give us a beating, he will run, he will run us down, and he will whip our tails because of a lack of proper attire. Remember the sons of Sceva? Now, they weren't saved, okay? They were not believers, but they were charlatans. And the book of Acts records that while the Lord was, you know, using Paul and, and performing miracles, you know, these extraordinary miracles through him, one of these uh, phenomena involved casting out demons from people who were, you know, possessed. And these religious swindlers, you know, these brothers, man, they had it down pat. They went around pretending to have miracle working powers. And we see this same spirit operating today or at least I hope we are recognizing them today because our social media timelines and pages, they are filled with them. Sceva, he was the, you know, the father. He was a Jewish, a Jewish uh, chief priest, and he had these seven sons. And these seven sons were frauds. They saw Paul's success and casting out demons, and then they decided that they were going to make merchandise of this ministry gift, you know, and began, they went around, you know, saying to demons, in the name of Jesus whom Paul, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. But who knows that God will let you go only but so far. And this is to the saved and the unbeliever. But one day, their trickery backfired. And they were attempting to cast out a demon who refused to come out. And you know what this demon said? He said, look, Jesus I know. What an embarrassment. He said, Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? And with that being said, the Bible scribes to us that the demon viciously jumped on them and overpowered them all. Check it. One demon to seven. And the Bible says that he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. You see, the seven sons of Sceva failed to recognize that they were no match for the demonic power they were playing with. They were toying with it. Because outside of Yeshua, no matching power exists. Now, there are powers, but no matching power to the, you know, power of our king. And God will not be mocked. And because of this public manifested, you know, demon assault on these boys, right? The Bible declares that the inhabitants that dwelt in, in Ephesus, they were seized. They were, they were gripped with fear. And guess what? The name of the Lord Yeshua was magnified and exalted. Glory to God. So God had turned this whole thing around. And the impotency of these great pretenders, these frauds, was publicly exposed so that now the people that they were deceiving and trying to deceive could really see the difference between the power of Yeshua and the fake. Okay, now let's talk about the spirit and what this uh, means to the believer. First, who and what is the spirit? In, in John 16, Yeshua, uh, 16, and I believe it begins with uh, 6, verse 6. 
Yeshua was talking and he was comforting his disciples, you know, because they, they, their hearts were filled with sorrow because, you know, he had told them he was going away. And if he didn't go away, the comforter, you know, which is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the advocate, he would not come. Now, let me, let me take it back a little bit because I, I really want us to understand this. Yeshua's, um, his physical body, his physical body was restricted and limited. Um, his body limited his mobility to travel on the earth, okay? And that he could not be here, there, and everywhere at one time, right? But by leaving, after he did all what he needed to do, by leaving, which is what had dampened the disciples' heart, he was letting them know, look, guys, be of good cheer, because in my leaving, the Holy Spirit is going to come and be with you all at one time, and he will indwell in you, because now he would be omnipresent, right? Here, there, and everywhere. Get it? Now, please don't, don't misunderstand and take this to be like this was the birth of his omnipresence, okay? Because that's not what I'm suggesting, because he has always been omnipresent. But in leaving his celestial body and taking on the form of human flesh, right, he became like you and me within the earth realm and his order. He did not violate his own principles, okay? He came as a man, yet was God in the flesh. And thus he has demonstrated to us that we too can walk and do as he did, but only through him, okay? And if you think about it, this is why even demons need a body as a host in order to fulfill their wicked agenda. So not even demons can violate this. They need a host. And so the assignment of the Holy Spirit would now be to convict the world in regards to sin and, you know, righteousness and judgment, because now he would speak straight to the hearts of men. Now, in understanding the um, accounts of the seven sons of Sceva, we can first conclude that, one, demons are dangerous spiritual beings, right? They are much stronger than we, and I'm not bigging them up. These are biblical facts. And these demons can inflict, you know, violent actions, incredible violent actions, and make people do wild, crazy, evil things, wicked things. Another thing we can see is that the seven sons of Sceva, they had no regard, no regard. And I'll even go as far as to say respect, no respect for demons. Now, I can just hear some of y'all in the background cringing and saying, you know what, Pastor Nardo, you were doing good up until now. What did you just say? You know, really proper respect for demons? I know what I just said. So let me explain it. In Jude, let's turn to Jude uh, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And it reads, nevertheless, in the same way. Now, now Jude, he was speaking about Sodom and Gomorrah who were vile. They were proud and arrogant reprobates. Okay. So he says, these dreamers, um, another translation says, these ungodly men who are dreaming that God will not punish them, also defile the body and reject the legitimate authority and revile and mock angelic majesties. But even the archangel Michael, okay, let, let me stop here for a minute. Remember Michael? This was the archangel who when Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days and the angel Gabriel had finally got a breakthrough to report to Daniel that from the moment, you know, he had humbled himself and, and set his heart towards God, that God has sent the answer, the 
from the first day, but the the king of Persia delayed him 21 days. And so he had to summon and not, you know, the archangel Michael for help because there were there was warfare in the heavenlies. So these two angels united to, to fight against the principalities and powers of the air that were attempting to intercept Daniel's answer. Okay, so back to verse 9. But even the archangel Michael, this strong angel, this godly creation, when he disputed with the devil, that Satan himself, over the body of Moses, did not presume. In other words, he didn't even dare to bring a slanderous, uh, insulting, defamatory charge, which is, you know, an accusation, an indictment against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. People of God, we must be careful to walk humbly before the Lord. And not become arrogant and prideful and, and slanderous, even when we are fighting our enemy. Because pride will cause us to swell up like we did some big thing, you know. And this sin will cause a spiritual breach and it opens portals for the enemy to come, to come in. And this can be fatal to the soldier. It can be fatal to the company. It can keep, uh, be uh, fatal to the household. You know, there was a time in Yeshua's ministry that he dispatched uh, 70, yeah, 70 disciples, and he had given them authority and power over demons, right? But when they came back, they didn't la- elaborate on, you know, how many people got healed, delivered, and set free, you know? Their first report to the Lord was that they were excited about being able to cast out evil spirits. They were enthralled with the fact that demons had submitted to them in, the, in, in his name. They were hyped about the possession of power they had obtained. And this is in Luke 10, okay? And what was Yeshua's response, you know, in this so-called moment of victory that they felt? Yeshua doesn't rejoice and big them up. He doesn't give them, you know, high fives and, and, and say, way to go, guys. That's what I'm talking about. Give them a beating. Yeah, we won. He doesn't do that. Instead, he says to them, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I believe that he downplayed this, you know, supposed moment of triumph because he wanted them to understand that there is something much greater and more valuable than having authority and power over demons. And then, you know, gloating about it. It is knowing that our names are written in the book of life, glory to God, and that heaven will be our home with God. Amen. Another thing that we can learn is that these spiritual beings, they fear God and they do recognize valid authority. In Luke 8, Yeshua was met by this uh, demon-possessed man. And for a long time, this man, he didn't wear clothes, he didn't live in a house, but he stayed in the tomb. And when the man saw, you know, Yeshua coming, he cried out and fell down before him, shouting, you know, in a loud voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, please don't torture me before the time, before the, the actual judgment day, you know? In the Great Commission of Mark 16, 
Yeshua said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This authority that belongs to Yeshua is now given only to those he has given it to. And that's the children of the kingdom of heaven. Not the charlatans, not the religious people, as we have witnessed, you know, in the account of the seven sons of Sceva, who took a demonic beating that left them wounded. And suffice to say, there is no formula or religious ritual Neither are there incantations or meditations for invoking the name of Yeshua. And if, even if we were to include the name of Jesus or Yeshua, his Hebrew name, like the seven uh, sons of Sceva did, it is powerless because the authority that is associated with the name comes from Yeshua himself. Amen? And the seven sons of Sceva made the grave mistake in believing that Paul was the one performing these signs and wonders. But we know it wasn't Paul. It was the Holy Spirit within Paul that allowed him to tap into and have this divine access to, to that type of power that will cause even de demons to tremble. Amen? So it doesn't matter how religious we are. If we have no relationship with God, if we do not possess the presence of the Holy Spirit, there will be no power in wielding the sword of the Spirit because demons respond to the logos, to the reign of power not empty rants and words. And those who fail to cover themselves with the proper divine attire of the Holy Spirit will have no power over demons because demons recognize the absence of the Holy Ghost. And as soon as they, they were fed up with, you know, the, 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 their stage show, their performance, this demon turned it into a stage fright and he gave them a beating that they would never forget. And now the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, hear me, friends. If there is no Word of Truth, there is no sword of the Spirit. So no matter how much we scream and shout and yell, you know, and nobody can make sense of what you're saying, they can't even be ministered to because you're shouting so loud, no matter how many scriptures we declare and decree, no matter how much we bind and loose on the earth, no matter how much tongues we speak, if our feet are not anchored in his peace and our belt is not tied to his truth, if we are not in right standing with God, demons will not respond and we will suffer casualties instead of celebrating victories. And so we must be cautious because if we continue to step out in the name of Yeshua, knowing well that we are sleeping with the enemy, or we're making deals with the enemy, the platform from where we are toying with the enemy, flirting with the adversary, will someday turn around and rend us in return. And finally, I don't know who the Lord is speaking to in this message, but I am hearing that the time of irresponsibility and carelessness is winding down. The days of pretending and the behind-the-scenes shenanigans of playing with God and using his name for personal benefits will soon be exposed if we do not repent and turn. 
the one who names the name of Yeshua. And I leave you with this verse, Ephesians 4 and verse 31, actually verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, outcry and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving each other just as Yeshua forgave you. Oh, God forgave you through Yeshua. Father, I have obeyed your voice. I have delivered your word to your people. Now sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. Father, your word carries so much life and and practical truths and matters and matters that concern our spirit, our soul, our body. How helpful this word is in the midst of the pressures and discouragements we face daily. I pray that we will take your instructions seriously and apply this great armor, this beautiful armor given to us through Yeshua. Teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom and and the ability to grasp and learn quickly how beautiful life can really be when it is lived in your strength and your truth and through the divine tools you've provided for us. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries teaching broadcast. I am Narda Goodson, your host. Be sure to tune in next week, same time, same place, for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying, anointed Word of God, where Yeshua is Lord, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Shalom.